Welcome to the Hysterical Society Feminist Podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of these episodes on Male Allies. I'm so excited to welcome you and to hear what you have to share with us. Well, I'm happy to be on here. It's an adventure for me being on a podcast and I want to get my message out. I feel like it's being ignored by so many people and I appreciate that so much. Me too. That's one of the reasons why I made this podcast so that we can have our voices be louder and more voluminous than the bad guys that are out there trying to take everything away from us. So I wanted to ask you, because I met you on social media um, as part of the folks that I connect with about reproductive rights for women across the country. And um, I saw that you were very active, especially being in Texas. So I wanted to um, engage with you on the podcast and hear a little bit more about how you got involved in political activism. I know we're going to get into abortion rights. And before we get started, I want to make it clear that I'm going to use the word women, but I mean that in an inclusive manner. I do mean to, as it affects uh, persons assigned female at birth inside the LGBTQ plus community, I'm using women to, to uh, express them inclusively. Thank you. I appreciate it. It is confusing when you're talking specifically about abortion because it is people with uteruses, you know, so women's rights should include trans women, but abortion rights should include trans men and everybody in between who has a uterus. So yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> it is. So what got you involved in reproductive rights specifically? When the Supreme Court draft decision against Roe came out, everybody went to the streets the day afterwards here in Austin and and uh so it was May 3rd 2022 uh, I went to my first rally uh and that was turned into four rallies we had I started out the federal courthouse and there was another group up at the capitol and that group came down and reinforced the group at the courthouse and so we had a second rally at the courthouse and then we marched through the middle of the streets of Austin back up to the Capitol and had a big uh, rally and uh, after that uh, it went real crazy we just took over the main street of Austin which is Congress Avenue and traffic was just had to stop and bear with us because we had the road and mm -hmm. that was all exhilarating to have that much power that night after we went down about eight-tenths of a mile on that road, we turned off and meandered ourselves back to the Capitol one last time. Did some chants and people started to dissipate, but I hung around because my adrenaline was flowing. Finally, a small group formed up and although my legs were exhausted and my feet were terribly sore, uh, my adrenaline got the best of me and I went on down. So I joined up and we started again i had no idea what was going on and we marched north from the capital and finally at the end uh we ended up at the south end of the university of texas campus 
And then after a couple of minutes of people talking, I realized I joined the students that were going back home. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. And uh, we had marched almost seven miles by the time all this was done. Wow. And uh, I had marched over with my sign. So I claim I walked almost eight miles that night for women's rights. So there were about six of us there that had joined this group and they had to get back downtown. We got an Uber and I said, I'm buying drinks. So we went and we were the last protesters standing and drinking and toasting together. That I night. love it. And no, it, it really felt great. And uh, just for such a cause, uh, women have a special place in my heart. So uh, I don't want them to be destroyed by evil. Mm. That's what I think we're dealing with here. How did people react to you being part of this big uh, abortion rally? You being, no offense, an older white male. Uh, I got a few compliments that night, but I kept showing up. And so yeah. I, I I started getting more compliments. <laughs> the, the white males that kept coming, uh, kept coming back were few and far between. <laughs> and uh, probably the most memorable chant that I can remember is, fuck Greg Abbott. And everybody got great pleasure out of that. The most special time of that period was my trip to Washington, D.C. in June of 2022. I had been planning to join with the Austin chapter of the Poor People's Campaign to participate in the big rally on the National Mall. So I decided to go up for an extended five-day vacation in D.C. Just before I left Austin, I found out that the National Organization for Rise Up for Abortion Rights would be holding a rally at the Supreme Court on my first full day in D.C. So I got my son prepared and joined them on the 15th in front of the Supreme Court. And uh, people were on the, ball, uh, the bullhorn, and they gave me the bullhorn for 45 minutes. And I got on a rant against MAGA-fascist old white men and uh, I, the whole time I was just cussing them out. And uh, they, uh, the uh, social media person took 30 seconds of video that was taken of me and put it up on TikTok. And lo and behold, it went viral. Fair body, fair choice. The hell with mega fashion. Oh, white man. I got over 3,000 lovely comments from young women. And the most prominent message is, I want you to be my grandpa. What, uh, you know, just, that just was amazing. And got great pleasure of being able to make that stand. It was just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we all appreciate you. On behalf of all women and people with uteruses, yes, we thank you so much. So you talked a little bit about how you had just moved to uh, to Austin right in the throes of when they were suffering under the new law, SB8. So tell us a little bit about what how you got involved there. Uh, so yeah, the infamous bill, despicable, deplorable, disgusting bill is the Texas Heartbeat Act. And it's the Texas Senate Bill 8. It basically bans abortions after the detection of embryonic or fetal cardiac activity, which normally occurs after about six weeks of pregnancy. Most women don't even know they're pregnant until sometime after six weeks. It also imposes severe criminal charges to people 
who support women in getting abortions. So yet another nasty aspect of this, this bill. A woman must carry a non-viable fetus to excretion. How deplorable is that? A woman that doctors know her life's in danger from a pregnancy have to carry the fetus until they are near death. And of course, this whole thing's caused a lot of confusion in the hospitals, but it ends up they're having the lawyers or talking to the doctors, not focus as much on the women, and they make them wait until they're near death. I, I just get disgusted. As far as I'm concerned, this reaches down to the levels of depravity that the Nazis imposed on their proclaimed deplorables during the 1930s until the end of World War II. There are no shades of gray in, this, in these three conditions. These are clear-cut cases of good versus evil. What were the voters or the citizens of Texas thinking about SBA as we got into the final Supreme Court phase? The Texas electorate clearly, by wide margins, did not support SB8. Politicians were totally out of line to force pro-democracy, pro-choice, taxpayers to contribute our taxpayer dollars to fund the operation of theocratic, patriarchic crisis pregnancy centers that will promote anti-abortion propaganda to poor women coming in there for some kind of help. To me, it's like they're putting the fear of God into distraught, impressionable young pregnant women who instead need passionate understanding care. Yeah, absolutely. And they won't, you know, the Hyde Act was put in place many years ago, and that makes it illegal to use taxpayer money to fund abortions. But oh, it's no problem to use taxpayer money to fund these bullshit crisis pregnancy centers. They are complete shams. There's like way more of them than there are abortion clinics in the United States, at least twice as many. They are just there to deceive young, naive people who need help and want counseling and to have to make a tough decision. And they're just there to sway them in the religious direction. Yeah. I am calling for men to stand up for their women they love and others they are close to. Many of you have wives, working mothers, sisters, daughters, girlfriends who are at a childbearing age. You know that a significant number of these women don't want to be forced to bear children in many cases especially when they don't get to choose when, and you are bound to know how bitter some of them will be if a patriarchic, theocratic government forces them to do so. 63% of women without children already have no desire to have a child. So we're not talking small numbers, 10, 20, 30%. We're talking about majorities of people that don't want to be forced into a uh, carrying a baby to turn for various reasons. So I ask finally, please stand up for these women and for all of the other women out there who do not want to be subjugated to a second class status when they cannot make their own choice. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of all women, thank you for standing up for us. We appreciate you. Happy to do it. We'll take on the world. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of this podcast episode where we're talking male allies and we love our male allies. We need more of you. Exactly more. We need a lot more. 
but we love those of you that are out there that are speaking up and you are one of the good ones that I came across in some of my social media um, over the last, you know, several months. And so I'm really thrilled to have you part of this episode. Thank you. I'm very, I'm very uh, welcome to uh, come on here and speak with you. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you again. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you live, like why are you passionate about reproductive rights and other things that are affecting those of us who are oppressed? Okay, well, here's the thing. I'm going to, uh, my name, I'm Chuck Turner. I'm here from Indi uh, Northwest Indiana. I have uh, two daughters intelligent young ladies. One is a college graduate from business school and the other one is going to business to college right now as well. My oldest right now is expecting in September. Oh. And she's and we just found out that we're going to have another young lady added to the family, so oh. Grandpa. <laughs> thank you. So lovely. So congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. Your family as well. But yes, yeah, somebody else to worry about. Exactly, and then with with that, because we years ago, uh, me and my wife sat down and talked, and at the time she was more for choice, for choice, and I was pro life, pro choice, kind of fifty fifty, should I say? Sure. And then now I'm a little bit, but I'm way I'm way more to the left of that now. I'm way more um, of the choice side now. And uh, this must because of things that I just read here and some of just the political rhetoric coming from the other side as well. It's just unfriendly, unwarranted and just, you know, not not where not the progress we need for 2023. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, thank you for coming around and seeing the right or the left side of things, if you will. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. And we appreciate that. It's it's sometimes tough. But I, yes. you know, having an open mind is probably the first step of being a good person and able to evolve, you know, with the times, which is important. Right. When I got online and I, when I saw that, you know, the right wingers on there, you know, this on there saying that, you know, oh, you know, this is a big victory, the big victory. And the thing is, when I, when I went to go kind of confront them on some of these social media sites, they, you know, some of them hit with some hard questions. So I said, you know what? I got to do a little bit more research myself. So yeah. I started digging. I started going on on Harvard and, you know, Yale and seeing what their studies were and what they're in and what and what they were talking about. And then I had to kind of brush up on what I what I knew. But then I had to enlighten myself on what I knew and yeah. where I could and then where I could better be better, be more prepared for the rhetoric. The, the leaders of these groups, I mean, they, they've done their research, but they they leave out large portions of what is true. They only put in there the portion that people want to hear, that their crowd wants to hear. So you did actual real research and you yes. did things for yourself, which so yes. many people don't do. They just, yeah, they just sort of regurgitate the rhetoric. And they, they don't think for themselves, and especially here in Indiana, you know, <laughs> they say their Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ, but I begin to believe it's that orange guy down there in Florida who's their real Lord and Savior. But what else are you worried about for the future? Well, the future, um, like like what the uh, uh, Supreme Court just took away, you know, the um, affirmative action. You're looking at, you know, poor inner city communities 
And you know what 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 would be the thing to fix them? It, it's definitely you know um, it's it's definitely not going to just take one thing. You know the yeah. right they're they're you know they're beating down the doors. More fathers need to be in the homes. How are you going to put more fathers in the homes when you don't have the right economics, the right jobs, the right health care to right. put them in the homes and to keep them in the homes? And that's the problem. And I think that's something that we really need to sit down and talk about. Absolutely. I totally agree. And you're right. It's not one thing. Like many things needs to come together to bridge the gaps and all the divides and the division that we now have much worse when I was younger, you know. Years ago, some of these communities out here in Indiana, I mean, a black person, you know, coming through there, I mean, it wouldn't be allowed, you know, or a Latino family moving in. It wouldn't be allowed. It would, you know, it was crazy or, you know, it's it's gotten a lot better, but you know it's it's kind of like some people are like okay, well it's gotten better. Let's just stop. No, it's a lot further to go. Same with uh, you know Black Lives Matter a few years ago when the you no know, George Floyd thing came about. You know I saw my youngest daughter get more active, just kind of having conversations, and you know I've I've heard from at least four or five people that are Caucasian that they think that the most discriminated group right now is white males, and I'm like. Um, that's not true. Let's let's sit down and let's let's think that one over a little bit more. What can you say to other men like you who care or maybe should care about how they can help or why they should be helping um okay. with any issue? It, it, it's it's the thing of and it's a um a an argument I got online with a certain individual. And I and I told him like he, he said men are protectors men protect life men I said yes we are but then again we have to protect it we have to protect you know our women we have to protect our daughters we got to protect them so they'll be better so that so they can you know grow and be you know who they who they want to be as well. You know, you're just looking at it from, you know, you're saying, well, well, from conception, you know, I'm like, yes, we we do understand that it is a life that does come at conception, but it's not a human being, should we say. <laughs> and, and and it's going to affect it's going to affect all of us at, at one point in time. So we're going to have to, you know, you know, put, put our foot down and what we can accept. Because here's the thing, you can't put bans on certain things and then expect that because now you're going to have different rule books for different people. You know, where does the slippery slope end at? Because the thing is, if you look at it one way, yeah, if you do it this way, how far will they go this way? If you do things another way, how far will they go? But then that's how societies like Iran and Saudi Arabia and other religious ran societies have gone. Yeah. And it yeah. started out one way, and it, I mean, it sounded good. And then you realize uh, this isn't what everyone signed up for, you know. And it's too late at that point when you got you know yeah. people who are so extreme going in in a certain direction. Yeah, and I think the for me, especially these extremists, whether it's abortion or other topics, it's the it's this religious thing. There, you know, we have separation of church and state, and we got to keep it that way. And you know, you can have your religion. And you can subscribe to whatever your beliefs are, 
but don't be trying to infringe those things on me and others, you know. And then, and and there's so much. Don't tread on me. I'm like, <laughs> wait. Yeah. So, but but you're trying to tread on everyone else. So tread what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. So uh, I mean, it's kind of like you know, wait. It is kind of weird because it was it was always the the Republicans were like government out of my backyard or stay out of my life, and yet, but now it's gotten so extreme where they want to control what we read and how we handle what we do with our body and our healthcare yeah. and. And that's another thing I want to get on is yeah. when you start banning books, you start banning abortion, you start banning um, other things, you know, uh, anti-discriminatory uh, rules and laws. And then you look and see what's going to happen. And now they can implement any rule they want to because they've opened up the door for it to happen. Right. It's, it is a slippery slope. I think you said it that. is. But um, we are fighting back. Boom. Here we are with this podcast. Hopefully people were listening and will get inspired to to continue to do great things. And yes. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share or shout out to the hysterical society? Yes, yeah, so the hysterical society, I definitely want to shout them out. You know, definitely keep on doing what you've been doing. I mean, there's other organizations and people out there doing what, you know, trying to do as much as well. I mean, right now it's kind of at the infancy of some of these. But the thing is, it's we, we didn't think that we would have to bring these things out right now for this. You know, we thought we were beyond civil rights because, you know, we, because we, we, we had uh, Obama as a president. We've. It's some people that want to drive the bus backwards. And now we need to have these things in place now to where we, we where we can move forward. What is your message for other men like you? How to get them to help more? You need to get more younger men involved. You need to get um, more, you know, men who have families involved, men who, you know, have daughters involved. And that's where it starts at grassroots ground level and it goes all the way on up you have to get off of your ass get out there and let your voice be heard because if you don't and sit back in silence nothing will change nothing well we all appreciate you and other men like you we do need you guys as our allies as we fight and because we're not stopping ever no fight this is our fight for our lives but um, thank you. It's so refreshing to speak to somebody like you who's out there in the red state and dealing with all the crazies. And But I appreciate you keeping your sanity and keep out there doing your thing. I love it. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I'll keep on doing it. And you keep on on your end as well. As as I will, for sure. Thank you so much, Chuck. Appreciate okay. you. Are you welcome? We'll take on the world. Hello, welcome, Lee. Thank you so much for agreeing to be uh, part of this podcast. This is going to be an episode with uh, male allies. Um, so let's start. Why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about where you live and why you are interested in reproductive rights and why you got passionate on social media about that. Okay, well, my name is Lee. I live in New Jersey. It's for why I'm passionate about this. Well, I went to college, I for instance, for gay, for, for trans, and for women's rights. Well, let's see. My upbringing, I, I, was, I was raised by, by a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. Uh, I, I made generations from women in my life, and I made female friends. And I also am just disgusted how a lot of the world's trying to take everything back. How they're trying to, like, almost solidify their own delusions of 
grandeur. Women, people of color, the LGBTQ, the disabled or anything. Yeah, it's a lot. There's so many different things to get mad about. The most pathetic reasons imaginable, namely being greed, cowardice, egotism, narcissism, and toxic nostalgia. You assume that just because you yourself personally have pleasant memories from the past, you assume that it was always good all the time. You completely ignore everything else about reality, all of the horrible things, the darkness of the past. Yeah. What kinds of things are you the most worried about? Let's see. So many things. Erosion of civil rights, the erosion of equal rights, LGBTQ rights, and child labor laws being destroyed, and of course, the climate and the planet. Yeah, it's a lot, but um, we're fighting back. That's one of the reasons why we have this pet podcast. Been, it's been so refreshing to have you out there speaking up and doing great things on social media to help where you can. And also, it, in a lot of ancient mythology, in a lot of Greek mythology, in a sense, they had LGBTQ characters. And even older than that, if you go back to Babylonia and Samaria, there were, there were a lot of characters that LGBTQ, there was, there was bi, and even characters were hermaphroditic back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I think lesbian comes from Lesbo. Lesbos is, is an island in Greece, I believe. And, I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It does go way back. And obviously trying to control women goes way back too. What is your message for other men like you and, you know, how to get them to help more? First, it has to come from within and you can't be self-centered or self-absorbed. You have to open your mind and your heart and keep them open, active, healthy, and sound. You also have to understand that it's it's not always about yourself. My advice to you is this. Take off the rose-colored glasses, take off the jade-colored glasses, and leave on the clear spectacles of the scholar. Completely look into the works in your role model, and you see that either some of them, they were different than you, than you imagined, or to think, well, why is the things that were accepted back then? Why, why are they still accepted, or, or are they not accepted now? You generally have to look, and it requires a lot of introspection and asking yourself questions. Yeah. I kind of think that's also one of the reasons why they feel women just fear what's different. Because I think that a lot of these, these homophobic, transphobic people are those who are stuck in hydrate past. I think another reason that they do is because your existence and how you guys just living your lives. Because probably maybe in a sense they bring up questions about themselves that, that they do not want to ask. Instead of taking a, a healthy first step to start to ask themselves questions to learn more about themselves, they take the coward band and keep, keep trying to hide everything imaginable between their skin, their gender, their role models of the past, the so-called traditions of the past, everything like that. And obviously, of hiding from possibly learning who they really are inside. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really denying themselves their happiness. And yeah, you're right. They're sort of self-sabotaging because they're questioning their own existence, really, if they have those tendencies, you know? I mean, I wish those people would just see the light and they would realize that it's, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm straight, but I think being gay is awesome. Like, it's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Anyway, so they just should just relax and own it, own it, you know, because it is really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, I'm so glad that you are who you are and that you have figured it out and as a young person, you have a lot of great life ahead of you that where you can affect change and and um, hopefully help, you know, in these causes that we talked about. How how else do you like to spend your free time, Lee? I do a lot of things. I see, I go to the gym, I read, I watch animation, I draw and I paint. Yeah, I think I've seen you're kind of a pretty talented animation artist, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, it's traditional, but I've moved a little to the digital area, but I still practice traditional every now and then. But if there's anything you wanted to say to shout out um, 
or to plug for yourself or for the hysterical society. You guys do have my Instagram. You can see my art there. Yes, I will definitely link to your Instagram in the show notes because it really is amazing art. And so I encourage everybody who's listening to this right now to go check it out. But amazing. Well, I am so grateful for people like you, for men who are allies helping us out with the cause. I do I really appreciate you joining me today. This is going to be a great episode. Excited to be able to hear different voices and different perspectives from our male allies. So keep on keeping on and being awesome and being one of our allies and getting your messages out there and keep helping me. You keep sending me great articles. So I really appreciate that. We are the universe So beautiful Take on the world.